good day all today we have with us a very special guest rishabh goel he is the ceo of uh, india's one of the leading fintech startups called credgenx which has recently raised about 3.5 million dollars which is about 27 crores from one of the leading venture capital firms like axel dmi titan capital by snapdeal founders and even industry veterans like kunal shah from cred dilip khandelwa from deutsche bank so rishab thanks again you know for doing this uh, with us i would really like to know what is credgenics about what does it do and tell us about the problem you know you guys are tackling uh, thanks thanks asim for the warm introduction and also for having me here uh, i think yeah i'll walk you through our journey like what exactly we are building and what we are up to uh so quickly introducing myself yeah we started this in the year 2019 so myself graduated from iit delhi first in 2016 there post that mostly worked in the investment sector itself like first firstly working with vaiche bank and then was working with blackrock uh so during my course at these respective institutions i think obviously i could figure out that how exactly the financial institutions are working in india and how where exactly the gap lies uh so in the year 2019 i think there was a lot of boom in the fintech lending segment right. a lot of startups coming into the lending ecosystem to actually solve that and bridge that gap where the banks were not able to underwrite because of lack of data points like in a lot of tier 2 tier 3 cities the loans were not being dispensed by any of the traditional banks uh, and the reason was that they obviously didn't have any data points to underwrite to even assess the risk profile of the customers uh, so there are a lot of startups who are actually trying to bridge that gap and solving that first piece of the puzzle which is how to underwrite a loan how exactly to dispense it and they were just acting as a it, it was a kind of a dsc agreement where i'm just lending on behalf of banks books but yeah i'm charging a commission on it so but the second piece of the lending puzzle one is obviously uh, giving out the loan but the most important part how exactly to get it back with the interest because ultimately that is a business model uh, if i'm not able to get the payments on time it essentially means that the entire problem is not solved so while we could see a lot of startups focusing on the first piece of the puzzle the second piece of the puzzle was not being addressed to and okay. there we actually ventured into this uh, industry to figure out how exactly the collections problem or how exactly the payments problem can be sorted and how exactly we can automate the different processes which are involved in a lending system uh, and that was the in pure idea of how exactly the credgenics was born in jan 2019 we actually started automating mostly all the processes which are involved in lending uh, and collecting of the payments which were being done manually in a very archaic manner uh, before us uh so it was mostly like there were different teams involved uh, and people working around excels to send out some communication campaigns which were not being actually monitored how exactly things are being happening uh, there were some calling units who were randomly calling the customers to remind them about their payments uh and then there was another if certain cases crosses certain delinquency then there was some legal lawyers engaged to actually uh, talk to them understand them or shoot out some notices etc so i think this was a very uh, the, all these things were happening in their own silos there was no streamlining there was no shaking of hands between different departments and there was no data driven strategies how exactly i can automate most of those how exactly even i should see that what strate- strategy should i follow at an account level it should not be one size fits all approach it has to be a like a prioritization has to be done on loan accounts and the strategy has to be decided across the loan accounts it cannot be that i am following the same strategy across the entire loan book uh so that piece we were actually trying to solve and we started this in jan 2019 with the platform being launched in jan 2020 got it got it interesting so as i understand uh, credgenix is heavily invested in uh, 
डेट रिकवरी एंड एनपीए मैनेजमेंट विच इज अ वेरी नीच स्पेस एंड एज आई नो दैट यू नो इंडिया हैज लेटली सीन सम मैसिव डिफॉल्ट एंड यू नो द इंडियन बैंकिंग सिस्टम इज इंक्रीजिंगली यू नो क्रिपल्ड बाई दी एनपीएस so right. you stated a while back uh, i saw one of your interviews you know where you had stated that uh, the default rates due to covid they were pushed up to about 60% which is right. insane so right. i just want to understand that how does credgenix come into the picture and can you please tell me more about the process you follow at credgenix to contain the npas right right understood so yeah i think as uh, like i think mentioned in one of the previous interviews that the default rates which is the bounce rates have touched 60% and it's even more than 60% in certain geographies but on average it's 60% uh, so which is much more than what exactly it used to happen pre covid so this number is almost two and half times more uh, than what it used to happen pre covid which was around 25% that was the rough number which was on the first payments default uh, so obviously there are genuine reasons for it like people there might be genuine reasons that people have lost their jobs and a lot of business is a field and a lot of businesses are recapturing but there is also a bigger section of the society who actually have taken some undue advantage of the situation and they are just then their cases of purely an intentional default there uh, so i think uh, to how exactly to segregate both of them that becomes a challenge and then that exactly what we are also trying to figure out if through a platform and through actually automating that process so just to uh, say, like give you a sense how exactly uh, the different things are being done so in uh, in in terms of the different key performance indicators which we measure like for a lender like there are three essential key performance indicators one is the resolution rate like pre credgenix post credgenix what exactly is the delta change in the your resolution rates across buckets right what exactly is the tat what is the time to resolve how exactly that is improving over time like if okay. i'm able to resolve let's say an account in 45 days earlier which was a pre credgenix uh, credgenix number or what exactly is the tat after that it has to reduce significantly if i have to take an average and third we actually measure is how exactly your ratio of the amount collected is to amount spent on collections is moving okay. essentially if, even if credgenix platform is an uh, additional cost center for them in the starting but if they are able to actually collect much more higher than uh, they were used to they were doing earlier it essentially means they are looking at it as, as an investment with a very higher return so it's a very high roi how exactly we do that as i told you i think so there is a lot of obviously uh, use of uh, tech sophisticated technology where we are using machine learning algorithms to train on the previous data mm-hmm. in terms of automating the workflows like to give you a very simple example communications communications otherwise like which was what was happening in the banks was there were some manual campaigns around sms around emails around voice calls which are being done but there was no actually mechanism or intelligence layer Uh, devised over that how exactly what template is working well what, which channel is working best at what point in time what customer segment so here we have automated the entire flow that basis even the borrower interaction if someone is clicking on the link maybe four times in an sms obviously that gets a higher weightage and there is a continuous ab testing scenarios creating uh, created on different templates different whatsapp different channels like what channel is working best for what customer segment at what point in time where the maybe the click rate is highest maybe the opening rate is the highest so that the entire process of reaching out and even the next set of templates are decided based on exactly the previous one performed so there is no manual intervention in terms of triggering anything it is purely how exactly my different templates have performed in the past and how exactly that borrower is responding at an edo level so it's it's not how exactly that overall generic my portfolio is performing so at a borrower and a loan level how exactly the different interactions are happening the entire series gets automated 
so I think that is one USP which actually we are bringing onto the table. Then second, entire process around the legal, around the litigation workflows, around shooting of notices, digital notices, physical notices can be automated from the platform. There is no actually as such requirement for you to engage and do it manually. Uh, like you have to otherwise engage lawyers manually and do it in form of Excel. So that with the, uh, like with our panel lawyers, which also we have, we actually assist them in shooting that out seamlessly okay. across uh, the different geographies. So I think that entire process around the litigation workflows, et cetera, is also automated. Third comes the calling part, if how exactly I am calling the customers. So there after the calls, actually we are working on a very good uh, propensity to pay parameter, like basis, how exactly, what was the sentiment of the uh, call? You can actually prioritize and deprioritize accounts. You have one lakh accounts to work on, how exactly I should consider that which accounts are very important for me and which are not. So I think at this point in time, what exactly banks used to do was they just used to have an Excel with them. They used to put a filter of loan amount, like highest loan amount with the highest priority order. Uh, so this is now how exactly things should be looking like it. There are a lot of variables involved in uh, the uh, in the entire process. So I think we should be looking at a lot of other important parameters, not only the loan amount. Loan amount is definitely an important parameter, but there are essentially a lot of other things which we need to uh, take into account. And also there is a proper prioritization order created based on how exactly the borrower uh, the same set of borrowers are, have uh, like uh, behaved in the past. Like suppose there's a borrower in Mumbai West who has certain uh, uh, like who has certain salary and who has certain financial information background. So if we are able to figure out in the database that there is a new application with the same set of background with the same set of financial information, then automatically that mapping happens and you are able to figure out that what exactly should be done at such loan accounts, whether an educational call needs to be done, whether how exactly if there is a civil awareness education which needs to be conducted or what kind of template would work best, what strategy would work best. If, if we could see that uh, like there is the default is very severe, then how exactly we can tackle it in a, a most uh, stringent manner. So I, I think all these things we decided. Yeah. I see. So it's great. Like I'm understanding how Genix is a testament of, you know, um, you know, integration of technology, integration of uh, technology with finance and uh, legal knowledge to create so much value in the banking sector. And it is totally reflected when I see your envious clientele, you have Kotak, you have Axis, you have Yes Bank, you have IDFC, you know, I can totally see the kind of value you're adding to the system, which was not there before CredGenix. And that's great. So again, congratulations, you know, and I'm really, you know, it's excited about the idea you have. And, you know, I'm really, I have to congratulate you on, you know, creating so much value in this space. Uh, yeah. So, I, one point, I think obviously this COVID uh, era, uh, like helped us, like uh, maybe get onboarding mm -hmm. on a faster scale because I think that default pro, uh, like problem obviously increased during this, this period. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think that was so in one year time only. We saw a huge surge in client onboarding. It was more than 30 to NBFCs we onboarded onto the platform in a span of one year. Six banks got live on the platform in a span of one year. So it was mostly that we got 40 clients live in a span of one year. And obviously that COVID thing, which actually exaggerated this entire problem of defaults and we actually also made that use case quite visible. Like earlier we would have to pitch them, but now essentially there was a, a mandate across the industry to scale up their technology infrastructure to handle those volume collections. So I think that was the need of the hour. And hence, once we pitch it, we have seen a very good closure rate in terms of getting the platform live. Right. I totally see your point. And I see the, how COVID pandemic has magnified your expertise and the value you're adding in this space. I totally get it. And it's pretty cool. Um, so Rishabh, uh, I want to move to the next segment. Uh, but now I want uh, to touch upon the personal aspects of, you know, 
I want to understand your professional journey, Rishabh. You know, uh, I want to understand how you, um, you know, you're you're a founder of one of the leading fintech startups uh, today. But tell me about your professional journey. You know, how it all started, and what experiences you know you had in your previous uh, jobs, in your schooling. When you came from Chandigarh, you made a name for yourself. You went to IIT Delhi. You're an ex-BlackRock, Deutsche Bank. How did it all add up to you becoming the ceo of one of the leading fintech startups in india yeah, yeah i think i'll just touch upon the journey yeah so i think it started as of now also i'm in chandigarh i'm at hometown okay. only yeah so it started everything from here like obviously uh, there was a curiosity and interest in number crunching and mathematics right from uh, the early days so there was a, like uh, after my 12th i think iit was an obvious choice uh, so there after actually in, in even in iit i think it was mostly around how exactly i was working around with different number crunching programs and all those things uh, so uh, a natural extension after the iit was to actually end up in some job who's actually where actually i can leverage my mathematical abilities my mathematical right. capabilities and how exactly i am interested in all these number crunching so uh, it was in investment banking or something on the quant role which i was interested in actually to figure that out so i think i landed up with my first job at deutsche bank uh, which was not a pure number crunching it was a mixture of an investment banking role plus a quant role plus uh, uh, the roles around how exactly you have to consult different clients so it was a mixture of everything uh, but yeah so mostly i was working there like on the listed derivatives trading uh, so there it was a quite a new asset class for me it was quite a, also a new segment for me because in the entire four years at iit uh, we didn't spend any time as per on trading or as per on uh, specifically on the financial concepts or, or anything on the investment line so it was obviously something which was a very new exposure for me which uh, i liked a lot because it was a, a completely a new learning curve there i took up my cfa i took up my different charters in risk management to understand to get more depth uh, in the concept mm -hmm. uh, so i think obviously the work you, uh, was interesting and new but over time you feel that you get saturated like uh, there at this point in time it is it is obviously a call you need to take that whether you want to grow in this organization or you want to be a very small part of a very big organization or you want to be a significant part of a very small organization i think there is obviously that internally it is different for everyone like from my perspective i wanted some kind of a job where actually the impact which is being created by me is clearly visible where i am able to contribute and my contributions can are visible clearly visible because i think if you are just being a very smaller part and you feel that you are replaceable at, at any point in time it essentially means that there is no enough curiosity there has to be some vested interest actually to uh, do that so i think th that was a problem and also i think i was just figuring out like i am was on the sell side of this value chain which is a like deutsche is on a sell side then i moved on to the buy side which is blackrock uh, which is actually uh, to see and un understand the differences. Maybe buy side can intrigue me more, and maybe I'm able to actually associate myself with the buy side more uh, than the sell side. So I think there worked at Deutsche for one one and a half years, but could figure out that a lot of. But it was clear. It was clear in the mind that I had to start up, and. Uh, and there was some uh, obviously that entire ecosystem at IIT also was promoting entrepreneurship. I was myself heading the entrepreneurship cell of IIT Delhi for two years. Uh, so there I interacted with a lot of founders. They interacted with the uh, founders of Flipkart, Snapdeal. That's how I also met uh, Kunal Bhel in one of the events at IIT itself uh, before he actually invested in our venture uh, as a first seat check. Uh, so I think there obviously that exposure was there and uh, like creating value and becoming a job giver instead of a job seeker. Obviously it's, it's something that 
was told to us, taught to us across four years at IIT. Uh, so I think that was the entire motive. And obviously, that giving up or like finding the right time to start is a very tricky question. Like there is no right time. Uh, you have to take a call. You have to take a call, and you have to work on it. Like it's it's mostly that you have to take that risk. Otherwise, you will not be able to assess whether it was a good idea or not. So I actually. took out a print out of a jeff bezos quote which mentioned that like i i might <coughs> fail but i'll not regret it what i regret is not trying uh, so so i think that was the entire motto how exactly everything happened and we started in 2019 that's that's very well said because um, you know i know that a lot of people have uh, you know lofty dreams and big ideas but they are not ready to you know part with the status quo and uh, you know the safety of their monthly paychecks and right. this is something since you've gone beyond and taken that risk and you know left that your envious uh, you know jawed uh, blackrock one of the biggest asset managers in the world uh, you know i just want to understand what made you believe that okay i i'm okay with taking that kind of risk and i'm okay with you know not getting paid a monthly paycheck and i can you know really work on this idea what made you believe that this is actually going to work i don't know so, so there was no surety it's actually going to work there have been a lot of hit and trials iteration so i think the problem statement was clear how exactly to solve it that was still not clear uh, so how exactly to go about it how exactly to do that i think so it was mostly that uh, like during the job you cannot actually devote time and this requires some time devotion and it requires some some kind of like i have since the start i think there was only the tag names and the branding which was done as you mentioned iit delhi deutsche blackrock cfa frm so i thought it's some actual time to do some actual job where it's not a glamorous thing to do but you have to actually work to the core where you have to make your reputation right from scratch no one knows you no one knows you you have to actually build a business right from scratch you have to get a team together you have to work on the business idea you have to work on the model you have to convince clients you have to do sales everything you have to do on your own so i think writing working from the scratch and that obviously it's it happened that one year it was a journey which was solo that you have to actually get up from the bed you have to figure out whom to hire what to do what not to do what exactly different use cases you need to pitch and understanding from the client also so obviously uh, till you find the right product market fit there are multiple iterations done you cannot just go into the market and sell it like there was some different aspect of the product different version entire different version of the product which i have thought but once i actually went into the market i understood the dynamics of how exactly what are the needs what is the demand how exactly the market is functioning how exactly it is positioned automatically those tweaks happened a little bit pilots happened uh, some there was some obviously uh, deviations which happened from uh, the existing products so that has to come up with the right product which is actually the requirement of the market if i would have not taken that risk i think i would have not even figured out that product first of all i would have not gone through those iterations i would have not done that and uh, like obviously there was no security uh, like and uh, in the indian mindset there is a tendency that you have a such a high paying job a such a status quo you are settled why you want to leave why you actually want to do but what i figured out was no one was dependent on me like none of my family members was dependent on me so obviously this was the right time you can actually take the risk so my risk appetite was high in this terms and i also had enough savings to actually also invest without asking anyone uh, so there was a huge capital investment which was done from my end uh, into the venture uh, just to see how exactly so that that satisfaction is there even if i feel that satisfaction is there that i tried 
I eventually I actually worked on the idea I was I wanted to work on. So it was not on the lines that I I was actually uh, just planning to do that, figuring out the right time. And then by the time you decide, you get some other family engagements to work on, and you don't have the time. So at this point in time, I think it's the best time to have, when you have a right set of experience. Like right from college, also I was not of the opinion that I should start up without any experience. But that three four years of experience, job experience, actually. Gave me some knowledge around how exactly organizations are designed, are decided, how exactly they're designed, their internal uh, uh, org charts, and how exactly the different problems and use cases are solved, how different teams are working, and specifically in the finance sector, I had since I worked, so I obviously had that uh, understanding around the same. Uh, so it's mostly uh, that I took a risk. It was definitely a shot in the dark. You don't know what will, uh, what's going to happen, what's in store for you, but it's definitely you have to carve your. Path and uh, like figuring out uh, the right dynamics. So initially, yeah. it was a tough journey. Uh, like where uh, it was uh, like essentially me figuring out how exactly to do everything from start. Now, right now, we have a team. It's mostly the plug and play role. Now you have to play in terms of getting the right positioning done in terms of uh, the hiring, etc. Though it's obviously a tedious task, but yes, uh, right now it's a much much better position. And I, had I not taken the risk, I would have been in the same institution, maybe at one higher level, senior, but with the same regret that I have not tried. As as I see it, uh, Rishabh, you know what makes you successful, apart apart from the you know the qualities you have from being smart, having a stomach for taking calculated risks, uh, or being ambitious. There's something interesting you you just uh, mentioned that how you had a different product in mind, but you adapted as you went into the market, and I think that's what makes you know successful founders and differentiates you know people who actually you know make it and people who could have made it. the put, uh, potential founders and there's a very interesting quote i read in uh, one of these uh, one of the books by scott cooper uh, secrets of sandel road he says uh, uh, you know founders who are successful we love them we love those kind of founders who uh, you know have strong opinions but are weakly held and i totally see that you know in you that how you had something in mind and you know you put in so much effort but when you went into the market you know things you were flexible enough to change it and adapt it that was yeah. great that was great uh, i think pivoting is an important part pivoting is an important part like you right. should actually right. acknowledge you should acknowledge what exactly the market uh, uh, demand and you should be a patient listener also it cannot be actually a scenario that whatever you have in mind you are forcing that on the market it will never scale it will never be adopted hmm. so i think it's very important that you actually just listen to it and be flexible enough to find a product market fit and then scale Right, right. Thanks for this insight, uh, Rishabh. Uh, I know you're a very busy guy. I'm just going to throw in uh, this very important question which I had in mind, and I want to understand it. Uh, you know, uh, Credit Genics has this quite a founding team where the three uh, three co-founders. I want to understand who are your co-founders, and you know how what is the dynamic between you guys, and how do you you know complement each other in your right, startup. right, right. I think in the founding team, I think that that's also very important question which a lot of early first stage founders also struggle. How exactly to build a founding team? What should be the different responsibilities across the different founder founders? So what I feel is that obviously there has to be if you can figure out someone who's known to you, who have a chemistry with you, who knows you from start. That makes sense because you there is there are no disputes which are going to rise in future, even eventually as you scale because difference of opinions uh, like will happen. It is it, that that is the law of nature. You will have difference of opinions even within the family. You have difference in. opinions you have something but you have to come to a conclusion i think it's better that you if you found someone who actually knows you from the start or you have a chemistry where you have some dynamics with and there should be 
as much as less as possible an overlap in the skill set like it should be a complete different skill set for you all three so that the overlap is minimalistic in a way that everyone is taking ownership of their respective uh, uh, departments themselves because if there is an overlap i think there also comes a lot of questions around how exactly to do what to do then a lot of discretionary things happen but if there is complete um, like there is a, there is no overlap in terms of your skill sets obviously then everyone is unique in its own, own way so they are handling their things very differently and that's that's also uh, one of the reasons why exactly a lot of uh, startups uh, scale uh, we have a, a very less overlap in terms of the skill set so from our perspective so we have anand who is my batchmate from it delhi uh, so he was a computer science grad he worked at data uh, i mean at 1mg at a startup and uh, was uh, responsible for actually scaling that since uh, like the inception of it like since uh, it was a team of 30 member team and when he left it was around 1700 so it was mostly he had worked on a lot of products from start and he was he had worked he had that kind of a curiosity in terms of understanding on the tech part and he had seen that startup journey with some other startup earlier so i think it made perfect sense for uh, me to actually loop him in and drop him in and work uh, like discuss this idea and get him on board uh, to actually work on the tech side so he's actually handling the entire tech and the product development uh, since he has already worked in the past on a lot of uh, products and uh, that uh, like uh, the second guy who's actually was is mayank he's uh, un- like handling the entire legal and the operations part so i think as i told you that sets a confluence of legal tech and finance yeah, yeah. Uh, so from finance perspective from modeling perspective i had enough insights to actually share how exactly different mod- models needs to be designed how exactly different things needs to be done from a technology perspective anand came in as in to bring in all these products to uh, like uh, to actually make some sense for the end user and actually give give that that an entire journey in terms of uh, like uh, right from all the processes from the start and then from a legal perspective from an operational standpoint we roped in mayank so mayank was also known to me since a long time so my entire family is from a legal background so uh, he was yeah. known to me mayank is a lawyer and he was a fellow at uh, a world mediation organization berlin he had done some interesting work in the mediation field he has he was working uh, he was representing delhi government he was representing human rights commission so he was actually doing all these things at a very young age uh, so i think uh, 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 so, from a legal standpoint, to actually get the legal insights into the platform, how exactly to facilitate that debt resolution, uh, he was roped in. So, together, we three uh, are respectively looking at different departments. Like I personally look at the sales, uh, business development, investor relations, marketing, and all those aspects. Primarily on the side, how exactly the business should look like. And Anand is purely working on the product and the tech part, whereas Mayank is purely working on the legal and operations and the finance part. Uh, so i think it's it's mostly how exactly you complement each other it's a purely a complementing uh, data set in terms uh, like obviously we take each other's opinions uh, how exactly to go further and navigate further down <clears throat> yeah great thanks for providing this inside reshav i know you're a really busy guy so uh, again you know i'll really like to thank you for you know doing this uh, with us and you know i really hope uh, the million in uh, the m in million turns into a p very soon uh <laughs> so yeah i think i think so this i i i can take this stage to as actually also i think uh like let you know i think so there is obviously basis the traction basis everything so i think there is there are a lot of uh like uh, there is a lot of uh, still a buzz around our next fundraise and some uh, newsletters have actually mentioned it so yeah so i think everything is on the cards and hopefully you'll we'll listen to a, a new news very soon so that i'm really uh, i'm waiting to hear that Uh, so again, thank you so much for doing this uh, with us, uh, Rishab. Uh, and again, you know, have a great day and best of luck for your journey in the future.
yeah thanks 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 for having us Ima. i think all the best i think it's a very good initiative you have taken and obviously it also increases the bandwidth like i i also have the tendency to speak to a lot of founders of very new startups and all of them so i think it, it, it like the entire horizon my entire thinking horizon increases how exactly different problem statements are being solved and if you are able to actually tell them to the entire public how exactly the different things are being done i think it's a very good initiative uh, thank you so much thank you so much ma'am